Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guests is uh, Dolce and Irina. You know what? Tell me a little bit about yourself first. Hey, yeah. So uh, glad to be here. It's uh, a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah, so a little bit about ourselves. Um, we kind of started... Uh, uh, real estate, just looking to kind of get financially independent. Um, I first started with, uh, I was renting an apartment and said, you know what, like I want to get a place to live and I don't want to pay my mortgage. So uh, <laughs> I found uh, a property. At, uh, it was a little uh, uh, bungalow uh, back split with uh, two extra in-law suites added. Yep. Um, I, when I was actually uh, walking through with the realtor, she it was a bank sale, so she didn't actually even know um, her way around the property. We found a set of keys. We had no idea where the keys were. Um, had a little. It was quite quite a entertaining uh, trip through the property. When I started to look at it, we saw the back apartment, but we actually didn't find the basement apartment until we found a, another key that was actually on a counter somewhere. Oh. So we found that and then got in and said, "Oh wow, there's actually two in-law suites." So um, I picked it up in a in in a really uh, kind of the uh, best time to buy uh, at the time. Um, everyone thinks that the real estate market is tanked at that point. So um, I was sitting there looking at a multiple offer situation, thinking, should I offer $1,000 over asking? Yeah. So I kind of sat there and uh, thought whether or not I should do it for a long time and kicking myself and, and, uh, and finally offered one K over asking and then, and then won the bid. And obviously like uh, five, 10 years later, you look at it and you're like, wow, what a great deal. Like uh, I don't even know why I thought twice about offering like a measly thousand dollars over asking. Right. Yeah. So, so where, sorry, where, where was this? This is in Canada or in the U S yeah, this is in Canada, yep. so this is in Waterloo. Yeah, um, got started there. Then I bought a, a multifamily here, and then stuff there. I actually got started investing uh, overseas by picking up an Airbnb um, that I'm doing in Boston that I re-rent. Cool. So that was kind of an exciting uh, venture. Um, we just kind of picked a market, um, found a property. It was it was a lot of work. I would say six months to set it up, but it was a great investment. Um, and then from there. Um, we both kind of were looking at the U.S. market, thinking, "Okay, we want to pick a market that we think is at the bottom of the uh, of the of the cycle that has a lot of room to grow, mm-hmm. uh, has to be landlord friendly as well." Um, I'll let Arena talk a little bit about Indianapolis, kind of why we picked it. Yeah. yeah so um, basically, like first, we decided to go to the U.S. Um, because uh, at this point, we already had properties like in Kitchener, Waterloo, and the, also in Niagara Falls, and um, when we picked up Niagara Falls, like at that time, uh, the prices were like very cheap there and properties were cash flowing. How, however, um, uh, maybe like in the last two or three years, prices have gone up there as well. So basically, like we couldn't find um, a Canadian market that would make sense, like in terms of like cash flow for us. Mm-hmm. So. Basically, that's why we picked Midwest and Indianapolis specifically um, due to like several factors, actually. So first, like I mentioned, like it's a good cash flow and uh, um, generally like 
property prices are cheaper than here at the moment. And uh, also uh, one of the criteria was to have um, property in a landward friendly state, just because um, like in Ontario, like if you have a problem tenant, sometimes it can be very hard to like um, evict them. Um, without like losing tens of thousands of dollars. So it's easier like to do that in Indiana. Um, also, um, I found some information that Indianapolis, they call it like IT capital of the Midwest. So it's the number of um, actually large uh, companies there like Salesforce, for example. And uh, even in 2018 alone, they added like something like 16, hundred like tech jobs there, which is pretty good. So in terms of like population growth, employment growth, um, unemployment rates, so those numbers were good for this city. And yeah, I think this were like why I picked it. That's awesome. Um, to go on to the opposite, you were already into Boston as an Airbnb. Why not Boston? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were yeah we were looking at Boston, but we wanted uh, something that was a little bit more scalable. Yeah, um, Boston. The we we're actually looking at buying property to do Airbnb there, but um, because we have to buy with cash when we initially start out, um, one point five million was a little harder than say the average housing price in Indianapolis, which you can get property for under fifty grand there as well. Yeah. So the the cash flow is a lot better. Um, even though with Airbnb, you can kind of um, exploit that a little bit um, to get better numbers, but but you're not going to get the 1% rule or 2% rule properties in Boston, right? But you will find them in Indianapolis. Um, so that's why we picked that place. Um, and the, and it's um, we, we really like the landlord-friendly stuff. I mean, we've with our portfolio here in Ontario, we've experienced like the whole uh, – level of of the landlord and tenant board so i mean i think i've i now now know that act inside and out so uh, <laughs> but it's a learning experience and i wouldn't trade that because I, I definitely learned a lot and it helps me now that i have property managers managing everything for me it helps me now know what to expect um, i can even advise them on on how i'd like them to proceed on things so it's a great learning experience here but uh definitely um uh the u.s market um uh, is is a is a much better uh, market for for evictions and and yeah. that's the uh, <laughs> yeah, the game. Um, I also kind of like earning U.S. dollars since our dollar is uh, often very weak, especially when we travel. So that was a, another that's big a reason point. for selecting yeah. Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'm guessing you guys have been lucky enough to not have to do an eviction yet. Uh, I'm trying to think. We did have one eviction uh, that we did, um, and we it didn't seem to go too bad at all. Like the tenant, uh, there was no real, we didn't have to do a force out or anything like that. So it, uh, it was pretty straightforward. Um, uh, a lot more smooth than we've had to do in Ontario. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the process of uh, an eviction in Indianapolis right now. And, oh, two evictions actually. And I, I've done an eviction in Missouri as well. And I'm, you know what? I'll have to do an episode oh, on uh, all the different, what the differences in evictions are from state to state. But yeah, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it, it, 
I, I'm hoping anyway that it's going to be a much smoother process than uh, I'm doing actually an eviction in Ontario right now too. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, you can see if you want to win the race. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that, you know, let's race them. I love it. Yeah. They're actually the dates are very similar. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you do like a whole flow chart or something. That that is actually a great idea. Okay. Okay. So um, we're in Indy. Um, you're yeah. you're doing buy and holds. I know you've done flips too, right? Yeah. Um, where are you finding your deals? Are you using MLS? What's your what? Where are you finding these things? You don't have to give names. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a realtor here. I just started here, but um, even when I started investing around ten years ago, um, I've been finding my own deals. So I kind of just I came from an IT background, so I'm used to crunching numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm used to using MLS, uh, yep. using yeah the public sites, uh, Zillow, and all the big sites. Uh, down Redfin, we don't like them because they're they're uh, they're not realtor friendly. But no, <laughs> so yeah, they uh, use the public sites a lot to find my own deals. I do look through uh, wholesalers as well, but yep. um, I mean wholesalers, uh, they're a dime a dozen now, especially in states like uh, Indiana, where um, where you have uh, a lot of investors that are flocking there, um, and you find the products that the wholesalers are offering. Um, it's quite a rainbow of results. Um, and if you just pick up the average wholesalers or the ones that are easy to find, you're probably going to find a lot of bad deals. Um, there's some of them, I won't name names, but you'll, you'll see houses that are still on fire. It's like fire sale. Look at this thing. It hasn't <laughs> finished burning down yet. <laughs> so yep. I mean, like you have to be careful with wholesalers, but you can find some great deals through them. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you you still have to know what you're doing because yeah, yeah, I've gotten on a lot of different wholesalers lists and what blows my mind sometimes is all of a sudden this one house, I'll get an email from like five different people selling yeah. the same house. And I'm like, how, who's yeah. actually wholesaling? Actually you're like, you're like, no one's actually like done the work of like, you know, closing this. Or uh, I found <laughs> on my one property, there was two wholesaler cuts in the, in the HUD documents. And oh, so there, wow. it, it had been double wholesaled. And yeah. so it was very small cuts they were taking, but like it was still, you're, you got to be careful because because yeah. <laughs> some people they're just wanting to they're just they're not actually doing wholesaling they're just uh, remarketing properties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, there's lots of crazy stuff going out there. You, I mean, Indianapolis, you do have to do your homework. You have to learn your neighborhoods. Um, we were buying remotely, so we put a lot of time and effort into looking at different neighborhoods, picking out neighborhoods, um, doing Google Street View, looking at crime maps. Um, trying to see if we can find out the path of progress, where stuff was being built, um, reading articles. So doing a lot of homework. Um, I mean, Indianapolis, we like a lot of the neighborhoods that, that we're beginning to gentrify, like Fountain Square is pretty much uh, completely popped now. But um, if you got in there early, it was a great time to get in. Um, Bates Hendricks was looking really good. I mean, you have some neighborhoods that are slowly getting redeveloped and pushed up a little more. Like we like. Yeah, Windsor Park, yeah. Uh, Fall Creek. So there's a lot of like areas where you can get a, where you could get a real a lot of good value. Um, a lot of signs we were seeing that like when we started investing there is you would see that uh, lots would start to get bought up. You'd start to see some new builds on empty lots. So in a city that used to be really depressed and where homes had burned down or either there's uh, insurance fraud or whatever happened and you have uh, empty lots everywhere, when those start to get bought up, you start to see people um, picking those up and building. I mean, it's, it's a good sign uh, to see. Um, you get a lot of gentrification and younger crowd moving back to wanting to be closer to the downtown of, of the city. 
Yeah, I've noticed that too. Whenever you look at the maps of the the appreciation maps, and actually, we got a map right there. Can I do yeah. it in my hand? Oh, this way. It's all backwards. But like right. Oh, it's all backwards. It's almost impossible to do. Like right <laughs> yeah. in there, like all through the middle core, it the, the appreciations all hit. And then you talk to the 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 more uh, expensive sort of investors who are looking at the like the two hundred thousand dollar. $300,000 condos, they're all right in the downtown. town. It's all been brought back up, and it's, it's I don't know, it, it's a lot, that's where the, a lot of the action is, but there's still all kinds of pockets around and places that are yeah. on their the way up, right? And it's, it's, a, it's a city that's it's getting, it, it's improving, and they should see appreciation, even though I don't put that in my numbers, but you yeah. want you want to see that. You want to see that it's going up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to kind of track it and look at it. I mean, like, we, we think it's a good area to invest. Um, with that, there's a lot of caveats, right? Like, you really have to do your homework. Um, I like to say, when I talk about, like, my elevator pitch for Indianapolis, like, if I meet people and they ask me what it's like, yeah. I like to give them uh, give them a heads up, too, right? Like, I like to say, like, like it's a great opportunity. There's lots of um, properties you can find that cash flow great. Um, but there's going to be hurdles. You want to do your homework. Um, Indianapolis has some of some of the fastest growing neighborhoods that I that I really liked, but they also have some war zones. Like there's some D-level neighborhoods where you don't want to buy property, where the murder rate is the highest in the U.S. So, I mean, you don't want to go too far east uh, of the city and, and be in one of these really bad neighborhoods. There's some fringe neighborhoods there that some people will will like to invest in like Lawrence. Um, I kind of want to stay away from that area. I, I want to just kind of invest in like what I think are a little bit better neighborhoods um, that, that are going to be maybe like C or, uh, or B plus if I can. Um, that's really what I'd prefer. But I mean, you can do your homework and, and chase 2%, but um, I'd prefer to stay closer to maybe the 1% rule uh, if I can um, and be a little safer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. A little careful, a little more careful too, like with your flips, like, um, uh, like when we did our flip there, um, you have a property that's going to be vacant for a while. Maybe it has your granite countertops in, um, talking with my realtor, uh, team and my realtors, they always advise me, you know what, you should get like, uh, a security system. You can get little mobile ones for a couple hundred dollars, put the sign up in your yard, put that in. Um, but there, my realtors have told me stories of properties that have been renovated. And as soon as the appliances go in, they'll smash and grab. And the criminals there, they're not like criminals in Canada. Like, they're going to go in and they're going to do as much damage as they reasonably can to get your stuff out. Like, <laughs> they're going to take a $500 appliance and they're probably going to smash $5,000 worth of granite. And they'll smash everything on the way out just because they can't, right? So that, that's kind of what you're dealing with there. So you've got to kind of be careful with that, right? You want to deter them. The criminals, they do seem like they're kind of lazy. Like yeah. you put a sign up and you're probably going to be okay. Um, but, I mean, you'll, you can still get broken into if you don't have a little bit of security or people keeping an eye on it. Even if you're in a good neighborhood, they're watching for these new builds, right? Yeah, so um, then these – if you're putting in the security system, you'll have to set up internet too like for this small period of time, wouldn't you as well, like to, to run this uh, or – or they have they have these little self-contained systems. Like, do you remember the name of the one? I think the one, the one we that using? we put in yeah. uh, it was at the Simply Safe one yeah. uh, that they advertise on bigger pockets all the time. Yeah. Uh, but that one, I believe, it didn't require internet. It was kind of like um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just a little self-contained system. I haven't set it up myself. I had my guy set it up, but I mean, for the price I got, um, it seems pretty great. Um, what kind of price range? Like two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks? What are we looking at? Yeah, it was uh, about two hundred bucks US, yeah. and there is like a monthly uh, fee 
but it's like very cheap. It's like twenty or thirty bucks a month. Yeah, so it's cheaper than getting something else now, having to get internet. Then yeah, exactly, and it's cheaper yeah. than getting uh, like broken into. Oh. I mean, you'll find properties like uh, even during closings, like all kinds of stuff. Like you'll there are horror stories, right? Like you'll hear stories of where people will break in during closing, and you'll have like squatters pop in and stuff like that. So if you're if you don't know what you're doing, don't have good boots on the ground, you can have stuff like that happen, especially if you're in the C D neighborhoods. Um, so you, that's why I kind of prefer the other way around. But I mean, if you run a tight ship, you can really get some good, uh, good cash flow and, uh, some good opportunities. Um, other than that property management, we've turned over a few property managers already. Um, I find that there's a lot of really big shops that are just out to make their own buck and they're not really going to run it the way that most property managers, um, might do if they're a smaller shop or maybe something that I'm looking for. Like I'm looking for a property manager that's going to pop in when he needs to without charging me a fee every time he has to pop in. Right. If he has to do something bigger, I don't mind paying him for his services, but I don't want to get say a 50 or 75 or a hundred dollar charge just because he showed up to the property. Right. Um, also I kind of want a guy who's trying to save me some money, a guy or girl is trying to save me some money. Um, if you have to do some manual labor, like, I want to know you have a general laborer you can send in if he just needs to change a shower head or do this or that. I don't want to be charged like a high end rate of maybe like forty, fifty, sixty dollars an hour um, to do something simple, right? That that um, I could maybe get uh, like my guy around the corner to do for me, right? So so there's stuff like that. You want to kind of keep costs low. So asking those types of questions, like what is your property manager going to do to try to save you money if something happens, right? Like if if all of a sudden the 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 toilet's clogged up, right? Like what's their first response? Are they going to call a plumber who charges going to charge me a couple, a hundred or $200 an hour to go, to go fix that thing? Or can you send your general labor over, see if you can plunge it out, uh, maybe use some product or something to clean that up. Right. So it's all about how, what are they going to do to save me on my maintenance? Yeah. That totally makes sense. So when you're, you're doing, using contractors, are you using the finding your own or using the property managers, affiliated contractors? Um, I do do a bit of both. I mean, uh, usually if it's a bigger job, I'll do it myself. Um, if they have um, their own guy and they do charge a reasonable rate, I'll give them a chance. I usually want photos of before and after. And you kind of want to see what's going on. Like, I kind of want to get the feeling like, okay, is my property manager just kind of inventing things that can go wrong every every couple months to get some extra cash flow? Or do they actually have a guy that's going out there and trying to save me money? Um, you can do surprise pop-in visits, have somebody else go and check out the place. Um, you can leave a lockbox nearby so you have a spare key, especially if you have an empty unit. So just so that way you can pop in or have a guest pop in for you to take a look to see, okay, what are they actually doing there? Because you really need to keep an eye on your property managers, especially if it's a bigger shop, right? They're, they may not be interested in keeping you as business, so so that may not be their number one priority. I find if you get a smaller guy that's starting up that knows what he's doing, wants to learn, that might be a better opportunity too. Yep, I totally agree with that. I have went through the same challenges, and I've hired the nationwide companies, and I've fired the nationwide companies, and I've every every market I'm in now, I have a, a company that only does that city. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, and it's, it's I find I get better results I get the whenever I call them they answer the phone um, sometimes I can get cell phone numbers of people and I can talk, call them yeah. directly instead of calling into it, sometimes like when you don't have the big ones it's almost like calling into your internet provider and then you go through all the things and you push the buttons and you, you wait around for people and you wait to talk to accounting yeah. and oh not my thing at all yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we've uh, it's been uh, it's been fun. I mean, it's it's all about building your team and kind of like uh, constantly improving your team. Like you might find uh, maybe a rock star realtor and he might help you find a lot of your contacts, but you maybe you know what my contractor is not the best. He's not bad, but um, sometimes he gets busy. So okay, I got to grow my team. Got to find another contractor, property management contacts. I'm always kind of turning over, finding better ones. Um, trying other ones out, see how they go, right? But once you find a good guy, you usually stick with them. And, um, and I mean, like we really like uh, like uh, David Green's uh, methodology of like how you treat down your contacts and how to build a team. So we've kind of built it on that model. Um, and, and that's kind of allowed us to get where we are there now. Um, but it, it's, uh, um, there's, always, there's always hurdles when you're uh, investing remotely, but we kind of picked Indianapolis too because it is within technically a day's drive. I mean, it's about seven or eight hours travel time to get there um, by driving. Um, where we are, we can fly, but that's usually, there's not a lot of direct flights. There's usually one stop. Um, I flew down there once, but I found that if you get even one delay at one of the airports, which is pretty common if you're flying out of Detroit or Buffalo, uh, or out of Toronto, you usually get, if you have a stopover, you might get a little bit of delay. You might miss your flight. That's a bigger headache if I can pick my own time and just drive down. So so do you see all your properties? You went down there for all of them? Um, I bought them all sight unseen. So we actually uh, we actually had picked them all up sight unseen. Um, with, usually we do video walkthroughs, but yeah. um, we've only been to Indianapolis twice. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's pretty good then. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't kind of mind the drive, especially if it can save me something bigger. Like occasionally I'll go down there and try to maybe meet and greet. Um, uh, maybe I want to pick out some material myself to try to save some money. I was doing a big flooring project and I really wanted to keep the prices low. So I went down there and kind of picked out some flooring myself um, and then found a flooring installer just to kind of like beat out uh, the, instead of my general contractor doing a subcontract, he might not find the cheapest deals or the best things. I want to see the quality of what I was putting in. So I went down. Um, also, I was looking to kind of like um, build relationship with local banks a little more because um, a lot of times you give them a call. They're like, who is this guy? I don't recognize this, uh, this Toronto or Kitchener number. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember the time I called the contractor and he started speaking to me in Spanish because <laughs> he saw it was some sort of like, a, yeah, like, like he's a, like, is this a yeah. South American number? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of things like that. Like, don't get discouraged. I mean, if you're looking uh, remotely and you're trying to, uh, and you want to get started and you start calling realtors, I mean, you can call 10 realtors and eight of them can kind of just like, kind of just like hang up on you. Like it, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like they get a lot of uh, out of country and out of state business. So a lot of them might be turned off by it. Yeah. I remember one of the realtors actually told us I'm not working with out of state investors. That's yeah. A, yeah. There was a couple, hmm. you get a couple of stuff like that. That guy was actually, um, I won't name names, but he was actually an investor minded realtor. So his, on his, uh, on his site, he actually listed that he worked with investors. So I was, I actually interviewed him for like, like after he told me, no, I actually talked to him for like five or 10 minutes just to try to understand what his line of thinking was. Right. Cause I was like, that's really strange because like you're an investor. So you kind of understand the way investors think. So, yeah. so what's, what's the reason you're telling me you don't even want to work with me? Um, and I kind of just like pulled it out of him and it sounds like he had a really bad experience with someone. And I said, Oh, okay. So you had a bad experience. And I kind of said, okay, well, did you ask them any qualifying questions? Like, did you, cause I'm a realtor too. I would do yeah, the yeah. same thing. I had a guy, 
messaging me and uh, coming up to Canada and they were out of the States, I'd ask them a few qualifying questions too, right? So I kind of asked them, like, did you ask them, did they have any investments before? Is this the first time they're doing it? Um, like, are they, do they have cash? Like, how are they funding their purchase? Um, do they plan on coming to see it? Or are they, they going to plan on doing a video walkthrough? Are they comfortable with purchasing that way? Um, and basically what I got out of it was that it was a first-time buyer that had never bought anything trying to buy something remotely and probably backed out of a deal. So I'm like, okay, so you had a bad experience. I can understand that. But I still couldn't understand why he wouldn't do his homework and uh, try to be a little more open. But I mean, you just got to shop around. You'll find, uh, you'll find some realtors. Uh, maybe he or she's younger and a little more tech savvy. They know how to use FaceTime and or other uh, video apps um, and uh, and a lot of people are open to it like they know that investors are motivated we usually want to once we the numbers work we kind of know we have uh, we have a deal here right and then uh, then we know we kind of want to get into negotiation yeah so we tend to move quicker too yeah exactly right so it can be a lucrative uh, opportunity for the realtor as well so that's yeah. awesome what else do we need to know about indie before we close this off yeah, I think that's that's pretty good. I mean, um, I can probably start by indie and anything else, like uh, because I mean, as Canadians, when we start to buy in the U.S., there's always a lot of questions, like, oh, like how do I buy it? Do I need to be like I'm a U.S. citizen? But people always ask me, oh, so is that why you're investing in the U.S.? Well, I always tell them, you know what, my U.S. citizenship has yet to be of any benefit to me while for buying in the U.S. I mean, like you would think so. So if I go into a bank and I'm like, the first thing they ask me is, are you a U.S. citizen? And I'm like, yes. And then the second thing they ask me is, okay, what's your credit? And, and in my U.S., it's nothing because I, I don't own property in the U.S. until I started buying there. Yeah. Um, I hadn't worked there for more than six months, so I, I don't have a U.S. credit card. So I don't have any U.S. credit at all. So any traditional lending um, at all is basically going to just shut the door in your face uh, for most of the time. I don't want to discourage people. I mean, go out there, talk to banks, see if you can get loans. But for me, I've talked to a bunch and had a lot of difficulty until I actually built up a portfolio. Now they start to talk to me a little more and they still make you jump through hoops. So as a Canadian versus a US citizen with no credit, um, it's probably similar difficulties. So don't feel discouraged if you're just a Canadian citizen, just go out there, uh, get started with what you can and, and build it up. Yeah, in retrospect, I think, um a good idea would be to have like a credit card there uh, with a US bank and that actually helps build credit. But that's something that I learned about like after we already started purchasing properties. But I would just say if somebody like is looking to do it, I think like opening a credit card would uh, be beneficial for building credit there. Mm -hmm. And if you like go and Google, you can find, uh, you can just type in uh, credit cards for iTunes and there's tons of results. You can find lots of banks that they always want to give out money. They're in the business of giving yeah. out money. Yeah. And, and when you start to talk to banks too, when you do want to refinance and you want to kind of get into that, expect it to just be a little more work than you, than you initially expect. Like you're probably going to have to talk to a little more banks than you originally thought, right? Like whether it's two, just keep talking to more banks to try to refinance it. Keep looking for better rates, keep shopping for better rates because that's really where you have, it's a grind, right? You've got to talk, even though somebody might recommend a great bank, you talk to them, the rates they give you may not be as good even after negotiation. Just talk to as many as you can. Um, don't undervalue um, the face-to-face uh, -face time as well. So, I mean, if you can pop into Indy when you're ready to go look at your properties, try to line up as many banks as you can. Smaller credit unions are great too. I mean, they usually want to work a little harder for your business. But if you start to look around there, talk to your power team, talk to your realtors, see who they recommend, um, then you can start to work to get good uh, 
good uh, refinancing going. We've it's been slow going for us to get better than hard money rates. So we now have a couple of local banks that have just started to talk to us and we're in the process of refinancing our portfolio. We've just gotten the soft approvals now. So uh, like knock on wood that goes through, but it's just starting to finally turn around. So um, do these local banks have foreign national programs or cause I, I'm using different banks, um, but yeah. like, so they do have, they do have foreign. Well, some of them do. Or is it because you are you have a, a, a credit score, or you're not a credit score, but you have a social insurance, social security number. Is that what yeah. helps? Or I would say it's, most of the time it doesn't help, I would say, but occasionally it's kind of like maybe a little bit of a, a, little bit of a bonus to them. Yeah. But I, I find that, yeah, to answer that question, uh, they do have questions, like they, like they do have, sorry, certain banks will have programs where they do work with foreign nationals and expect to jump through a lot of hoops, right? Yep. Like it's not going to be as easy as just refinancing something here in Canada. Um, maybe if you compare it to like when you're capping out on your Canadian mortgages, like when you get to five, six or seven mortgages here, you know how you have to jump through a lot of hoops. It's going to be like that. You're going to have to show oh, yeah. some of the data, a lot of documentation. They want to know who you are, what you're doing, what property you own. Are there any liens against it? What's your other income? What's your other debt, debt service ratio? They want to know everything, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, you do have you do have some of the smaller banks and smaller credit unions that will kind of work with you, even though you're a foreign national to them. Um, they're looking for repeat business, so I mean, anything you can do to kind of show them that that uh, once you develop a relationship with them, you're going to be looking to buy more property there, right? So it's a it's a win win for them. You may want to open an account with them, put some money in that in that bank, especially if it's a smaller credit union. So anything you can do to kind of show them that you're there and uh, and kind of make yourself look good, like show them what your portfolio looks like. If you're doing other things back home in Canada, show them that you're doing that. If you have a large income from income properties back here, show them that. If you're doing any other investing that has a large amount of income, show them that. You want to make yourself look as good as possible um, just so that that way that they know that that they have a, a player that's coming into the bank and not just a guy who bought one or two properties in Indy, right? Mm -hmm. So. That's great. That's great advice. I, if uh, people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah. So yeah, you can email me at, uh, I am a, real, a realtor here, but I mean, I love chatting real estate, even if it's, it has nothing to do with, uh, with my local business. So you can use my, uh, my realtor email. It's Dolce at royalpage.ca. Um, and uh, that's the best way to reach me. And uh, Irina? Yeah, for me, it's uh, as well. It's uh, my email, uh, irina.diodato at gmail.com. And also on Instagram, irina.diodato. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I, uh, this is great. I love talking real estate. And then I love talking even more about markets I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we recently found out yeah. we're neighbors. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we went out for some drinks and uh, found out, yeah, we actually bought just down the road from each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll have to do like a house mock housewarming or something. If we <laughs> That's awesome. All right, thanks for your time so much. Thanks, thanks so much for your time. All right, yeah, it's been a pleasure and look forward to uh, speaking further and, uh, and look forward to chatting with anyone else that wants to talk uh, real estate in D or Canadian.